Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Christmas at the Movies sermon series. This series uses some of our favorite Christmas movies to gain a deeper understanding of Christmas. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Well, welcome to Christmas at the Movies. That's going to be our series as we head toward the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Uh, We encourage you just to to, uh, come and attend and invite friends. You know, the truth of the matter is those those movies that we celebrate the the holidays, celebrate Christmas with, have some meanings and that are significant. And so uh, through this series, we'll see that as we turn back to Scripture. But use some of those as illustrations. Uh, You know, the message for today's uh, sermon is... uh, putting Christ in the holidays, and that was intentional because really in the world that we live in right now, this is a holiday season, even though you and I know that everything that transpires from Black Friday to Cyber Monday to all the way to Christmas Eve and and beyond is because of Jesus. I mean, if it wasn't for Jesus, there wouldn't be uh, any of the gift-giving decorating, uh, celebrating, holidays, uh, movies that we watch. So, so that's the season that we're in. And, and so as we think about that, I want you to think about that as, as followers of Jesus because it's our challenge to make sure that we put Christ first and foremost in this. So uh, the first movie clip that I'm going to show in this series is, is from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, one of my favorites. Um, spoiler alert, I think you all know, but I'm just going to remind you of uh, the backstory to The Grinch. Uh, he's a bitter, grouchy, cave-dwelling creature with a heart that's two sizes too small. Uh, he lives on a mountain above the town of Whoville, that's, and the Who's are people who are, are merry and warm-hearted. He has only one companion. It's his dog, Max, who he's very uh, mean to. And from the cave that he lives in, the Grinch can hear the noisy Christmas preparations taking place in Whoville, and he's annoyed. He's so annoyed that he decides that he wants to stop Christmas from coming. He's going to steal Christmas from the Who's. And so he, he disguises himself as Santa Claus and disguises his dog as a reindeer. And he goes down and he steals everything. He steals the gifts, the presents, the trees, the decorations, the food, and everything. And this is what we discover, where we find the Grinch after he's taken all that up to a mountaintop to dump it into a ravine. did you catch what the Grinch said I'll just remind you I'm a big fan of Dr. Seuss then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before maybe Christmas he thought didn't come from a store maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more yes it means more than a little bit more. It means a whole lot more. And, and the Grinch's heart grew three, three sizes that day. And he went from being a foe of the Who's and a foe of Christmas to being one who followed Christmas and was a friend of the Who's. When it comes to Christmas and the real meaning of this season, there has been this desire to move Christ out of this season. But when it comes to keeping Christ in our holidays, 
you could say that there's really three groups of people. We could be foes of that whole idea, we could be fans of it, or we could be followers in keeping Christ in this season. And this phenomenon regarding Jesus isn't new. It goes all the way back to the birth of Christ. So if you got your Bibles handy or if you got the Bible app, turn to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read uh, the passage of Scripture about the Magi, and we're going to unpack this. So we're going to start in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 2, and then we'll refer back to this several times. So I'm going to just start in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know, when I read that account, I see three groups of people. Maybe you saw them too. There's, there's a foe. There are some fans, and then there are followers. So uh, I want to pull those three groups out and, and sort of look at that with regards to us and uh, review our heart relationship with Christ this morning. So let's talk about the foe. Here's what we need to know about foes. If you're going to take notes, here's the first point. Foes are threatened by Jesus. They're threatened by him. They're against Jesus, they're against Christmas and the message of Jesus, the salvation message of Jesus. They don't want Christ in Christmas or in their holidays. While, while I doubt that there's anybody here today who's a foe of Jesus, the Grinch was a foe. But there's also a nuance about foes. Some foes are fakers, that they're followers. They fake being interested in Jesus. Uh, just like foes, fakers are enemies of Jesus. King Herod was interested in Jesus, but just like that, he was also a foe of Jesus. He was a faker. Now, something you need to know is that there were four Herods. Herod the Great was the first, and then it was his son, his grandson, and his great-grandson. They call him Herod the Great. I guess we could actually call him Herod the Grinch because that's really his attitude toward Jesus and this. Scripture records, if you saw it when we read, how he was fake. So let me read it again, starting in verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Now skip to verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully. Herod faked believing what the Magi believed. He faked being interested in the one who was born to be king of the Jews. He said, go and find him and tell me where he was so I can worship him as the new king too. We know he was faking it. Herod is not thrilled to see the new king. It says in scripture that, that Herod was disturbed in all of Jerusalem because quite honestly, Herod was disturbed because it was a threat to his kingdom. But all of Jerusalem was disturbed because they knew this could create incredible political and military upheaval, and they didn't want it. Herod is threatened by the prospect of someone who would replace him. And quite honestly, that threat that he felt because he's a foe of Jesus turned incredibly deadly. Later on in chapter 2 of Matthew, it says this, verse 16, if you, if you see it there. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. I mean, that's ruthless. That's brutal. But that, that shows you the kind of paranoia and fear and hatred that Herod had as a foe. Of Jesus. Foes are threatened by Jesus. They like the holidays, but they don't like the part about Christ in their celebration. They don't like the reason for the season. They don't like Christmas, at least the, the faith part of Christmas. They don't believe the scriptures. They think Christmas is a myth. They don't believe in Jesus. Maybe they don't even believe in God. Herod was a foe. He was against Jesus, violently against him. But there are other people who were involved in this story, and some of those people are what I will call fans. Here's what you need to know about fans. Fans keep it safe about Jesus. Fans keep it safe about Jesus. They may believe in Jesus, but they keep it safe. I'm not going to venture too far in. So who were the fans in this story? Remember what it said? Herod was disturbed when the Magi asked him, where is the one who has, been born, who has been born king of the Jews? So Herod called together his advisors. And this is what we read, beginning in verse 4. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. They read the prophecy. They read the prophecy about the Messiah, the chosen one who was to come, that, that all of Judaism was based on. But do you see their response? Do you see what they did? They were fans of God. They were fans of God's word. They were fans of the Messiah. But, but all they did was they kept it safe. They said, well, this is what 
the prophecies say. This is what the scriptures say. They shared the facts of what it said. No more, no less. They didn't tell Herod what, whether or not they wanted to see the newborn king. They, they didn't venture out at all. And why? Because they knew it would be dangerous. It would be dangerous to their lives and their existence. They knew Herod before he would kill the innocent children that we read about in verse 16. He knew before that he was abusive, that he was paranoid, that anyone who would stand in his way for them, things would not go well. And that's putting it lightly. The chief priests and the teachers of the law knew this, so they kept their faith about the Messiah. They kept their feelings about this is the fulfilled prophecy to themselves. They were noncommittal. They wouldn't venture. They had too much power and prestige to lose, much less potentially their lives. It's a theme that you see throughout the scripture with these religious leaders of Judaism. In the book of Acts, we see this. Um, 33 years later, the high priest and the leaders of Israel were confounded by this movement that Jesus began and that his followers were continuing, uh, that, that these unlearned, simple people were continuing. And this is what we read in Acts chapter 5. One of the leaders, uh, after they had arrested some of the disciples, a man named Gamaliel, spoke out about these, but look how he keeps it safe. He says, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will find yourselves fighting against God. Here's the deal. Gamaliel got close. He got so close to risking it all. But he stopped short by saying, if, if fans keep it safe about Jesus. Pastor Kyle Adam Eidelman has written a book called Not a Fan. It's a great book. I encourage you to read it. Uh, and this is what he says about fans of Jesus. He said, here's the basic definition of a fan in the dictionary. An enthusiastic admirer. And then he goes on. He says, it's the guy who goes to the football game with no shirt and a painted chest. He sits in the stands and cheers for his team. He's got a signed jersey hanging on his wall at home and multiple bumper stickers on the back of his car. But he's never in the game. He never breaks a sweat or takes a hard hit in the open field. He knows all about the players and can rattle off their latest statistics, but he doesn't know the players. He yells and he cheers, but nothing is really required of him. There is no sacrifice he has to make. And the truth is, as excited as he seems, if the team he's cheering for starts to let him down and has a few off seasons, his passion will wane pretty quickly. After lose, several losing seasons, you can expect him to jump off the fan wagon and begin cheering from some other team. He's an enthusiastic admirer. It's the woman who never misses the celebrity news shows. 
She always picks up the latest People magazine. She's a huge fan of some actress who is the latest Hollywood sensation. And this woman not only knows every movie the actress has been in, she knows what high school this actress went to. She knows the birthday of this actress. She knows the name of her first boyfriend. She even knows what the actress's real hair color is, something the actress herself is no longer certain of. She knows everything there is to know. She's, she's a huge fan. She's an enthusiastic admirer. And then Eidelman goes on and he says this, and I think Jesus has a lot of fans these days. Fans who cheer for him when things are going well, but who walk away when it's a difficult season. Fans who sit safely in the stands cheering, but they know nothing of the sacrifice of the pain of the field. Fans of Jesus who know all about him, but don't know him. The chief priest and the teachers of the law were fans of God. They were fans of the Messiah. They were fans of Scripture, but they kept it safe. They knew about the Messiah, but they didn't know the Messiah. So we got foes, we got fans. Let's talk about the third group, followers. Followers risk it all for Jesus. So who were the followers in this story? It's the Magi. Let me go back and read, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now listen, uh, we know what we know about the Magi. They were were intelligent people. They were very smart. uh, They were very wise. They knew what they were doing and they knew its risks. And they almost made a fatal mistake. When they began to ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They must have assumed. They must have assumed that the current king, King Herod, would know. Because in their mind, since there was no political or military uprising, it must be King Herod's son that they're seeking. It makes sense, doesn't it? But assumptions can get you into trouble. Nevertheless, the Magi were willing to risk it all, and they asked King Herod. And ironically, when King Herod heard the startling news, he decided that the best way to find this new rival was to use the Magi and follow where they went. Whether or not King Herod's faking his desire to worship the new king fooled the Magi, we'll never know, and it doesn't matter. The Magi were willing to risk everything to follow Jesus. Let me pick up in verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They did what they came to do. They followed the star to the Messiah, the one that they believed would be the next king of Israel. They risked it all to see this newborn king. They believed in God's guiding star. They left home. They left family. 
all of their own expenses to travel hundreds of miles. They risked their life and they followed this star until they found him and they worshiped this new king of kings, Jesus. Here's the best part of the story. Since they knew and trusted God, we see what happens to the Messiah, to the Magi. And having been warned in a dream, it says not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. Now, this is really interesting. It's very important for us to understand. Who warned them in a dream? God. Who were the Magi? They weren't Jewish. They were Gentiles. So, so here we see in the very beginning of the birth of Jesus, when Christ comes to earth, that, that Jesus is already for all people. And they have chosen to follow and believe in him, the rightful king of Israel. They left the comforts of home. They invested time and wealth and left on this journey. They did whatever it takes and risked whatever it took. That's what followers of Jesus do. They follow Jesus despite the cost. They follow Jesus when they don't know where Jesus is asking them to go, but they follow. They follow Jesus when they don't know where they're going to end up. They follow Jesus because they trust him and they'll risk it all. Herod was a foe of Jesus who was threatened by him. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were fans of Jesus who played it safe. But the Magi were followers who believed in him and risked it all. So as we head into this Christmas season, I think it's important for us to sort of do a heart check. Just like the Grinch had a changed heart when it came to Christmas, we need to basically decide where we stand with Jesus. Are you truly a follower or just a fan? Or are you a foe who's faking it? I, I don't know. Only you know. God knows. Jesus doesn't want fans or foes or fakers. He wants followers. He wants people who will risk it all for him and for his kingdom. Don't believe me? Go back and read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I would encourage you during this Christmas season to spend some time reading. Watch how Jesus raised the bar for those who wanted to follow them. Watch how Jesus called them. Go back and read John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, we see that Jesus raised the bar for his disciples, and it says some of them turned back and no longer followed him. The rich young ruler who wouldn't give up wealth to follow Jesus. Jesus wants followers. Let me ask some questions, maybe help you define your relationship. Does your life reflect what you say you believe? Ask yourself that. Do you think you're on the right road based on your deeds or based on what Jesus has done? You answer that. Do you know about Jesus or do you know Jesus? You know, I think it's important as we, we come to 
this time to recognize that we have to do a gut check. And so let me say just a couple of things. And this is so important. We need to ask ourselves, am I a a faker or a fan or a follower? You know, for some of us, that means uh, making a recommitment to following Jesus. Maybe to some of you, you've really never told Jesus you believe in him and you want to follow him. So we're going to spend a little time in prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. and, And then I'm going to say a few things after... We spend this time in prayer. During this prayer time, if you've never told Jesus you believe in him and you want to follow him, become a, a follower of Jesus, then I'm going to lead you through a, just the simple phrases that you can pray. But for all of us, this is a time to recommit to following Jesus, to, to uh, drop being fans, drop being fakers, and be followers. So if you would, just bow your heads and let's pray. Father, As we come to this season, Lord, I pray that you would help our heart grow bigger for following you. And Lord, for for those of us who maybe have waned in our followership, who have not taken the sense of needing to make a sacrifice for you to be faithful followers, I pray that, that we could recommit, that we could do whatever it takes to follow you, to risk it all. And then, Lord, I recognize that there may be some of us who have just never really taken that step of faith to say, I believe in you and I want to follow you. So if that's you this morning, I just want to give you the opportunity to tell Jesus for the first time that you want to follow him. So just silently pray these words back to Jesus. Here we go. Jesus, I believe you're the Messiah. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe your death brings me forgiveness of my sins. And now, Jesus, I want to be a follower of you for the rest of my life. Now, for all of us, I just want to close this prayer time. Father, we recommit to you. We commit to the first time to you. We want to be followers of Jesus, men and women, boys and girls who are sold out unashamed of you and your gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let me just sort of bring things full circle. This morning, as as Dan shared from his heart about how God had taken him to Luke 15, I would encourage you to go back and read all of Luke 15. You know, the truth of the matter is we know prodigals, people who have wandered away. And we sang that Song that echoed the scriptures that, that Jesus leaves the 99 to find the lost one. So here's my encouragement to you as followers. You may have a prodigal in your life that God wants you to love and care for and live out the message of God's love to in this season. You you may have folks that you just feel like God's moving you to to take that invitation to and say, hey, why don't you join me at one of these events? I want to give you this card. And then pick them up and bring them and begin to pray for them. In this season, this is the time when people are so open to what 
Jesus means and what he's done. He loves us recklessly and he wants his followers to take that reckless love to those who need it. So I want to encourage you to do so. So listen, we're going to we're going to close with this song. You can have it all. So this is a song of commitment, a song of recommitment, of being a follower who will risk it all, that will share with people about Jesus. So I want you to stand and I really want you to to sing this song from your heart as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.